0: You're listening to News 9 Live podcast. I'm Neha. A Surat court on Monday granted bail to Congress leader Rahul Gandhi in connection with the 2019 defamation case. The court has agreed to hear his plea against the conviction and a two-year jail term on the 13th of April. Remember, on the 24th of March, barely a few hours after a Surat court found Rahul Gandhi guilty of criminal defamation for a remark about the Modi surname, he was disqualified from the Lok Sabha. A few days later, he was also asked to vacate his official residence in New Delhi. Meanwhile, Rahul Gandhi has continued his attacks on the BJP. He also held a press conference recently in which he claimed that he was disqualified because Prime Minister Narendra Modi was scared of his next speech on Adani. In today's podcast, I discuss what lies ahead for Rahul Gandhi, the ex-president of Congress and now a disqualified MP. Joining me is Advocate Nikhil Mehra on today's podcast. Welcome Nikhil, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me Neha, it's a pleasure being here.
0: Nikhil, does this case against Rahul Gandhi hold any ground? Let me begin by asking you this.
1: I mean, my opinion is that, uh, well, let's split this into two things. It is is unfortunate that criminal defamation even exists in the statute books. Uh, And this is not a clear-cut case of criminal defamation against anyone. First and foremost, this is a speech in a political rally where, in my opinion, the generality of what he says does not comport with what we are reading about uh, the basis of the judgment, which is that he has somehow abused all Modi's and called them all thieves. Yeah. <clears throat> and so the, the legal theory is that when you take a group of which an individual is a member, you have you have called that entire group thieves. There is a question of imputation that means every it is imputed to every individual of that group, and one such member has sued and filed a criminal defamation complaint. So the first question is, does his statement actually stack up to a analysis of saying that the entire group has been vilified in the way in which the judgment purports to have said because I say purport because for some reason, the Congress party in their infinite wisdom, have still not released a translated copy of the judgment uh, in the media. And I am working off certain unofficial translations that I have seen. But the statement appears to have been that yeh sare modi chor kyu hai, Nirav Modi lists a few, and he says, aur bhi modi honge." Which statement to me, by itself, does not indicate an unequivocal statement that says, all Modi's thieves. So perhaps the, the Surat Court is has erred on that count. Now, today... He has not just been granted bail, but his uh, sentence has been stayed. But please note the conviction is not as yet stayed. On the issue of stay of conviction, notice has been issued. So that stay has not as yet been granted. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are Mm -hmm. several views that emerge as to what the effect will be. But wearing back to your question, the first issue I have is I would never want criminal defamation to be a part and parcel of the statute book. Rahul Gandhi, Arvind Kejriwal, and several others had got together and filed a constitutional writ before the Supreme Court, challenging the constitutionality of sections 499 and 500 of criminal defamation under the IPC. And the answer that was given by the Supreme Court was that, yes, it is constitutionally valid, but the grounds that were given were extremely narrow. Uh, And I don't think this case would stack up to that. However, since this opportunity has arisen, and generally in India, changes happen when something seems very evidently wrong when it happens to a big personality, perhaps this is an opportunity to get rid of criminal defamation altogether. It's a a desultory kind of provision. In any event, when a politician says something about another politician, I don't see how this is defamation to that scale, because in the field of politics, these statements are necessary. They are made often. Politics is supposed to be a vent for what people may generally be feeling. Feelings may not necessarily be based all the time in fact. Uh, And more importantly, this is a statement of generality. It it needn't have been interpreted by the court to be a statement of specific definition.
0: Doesn't this case somewhere also set a dangerous precedent about people being punished for making generalized statements?
1: Uh, Well, in terms of setting, this is right now only a trial court, so we don't really have a precedent in that sense. At best, for any trial court in the country, it will be only persuasive value and not even that for higher courts than that. Of course, if it moves up the chain of the judiciary and gets reaffirmed, then in fact it would set a very dangerous precedent. But I'm quite certain that that will not be the case. Uh, It's to put it quite simply, Neha, it's an absurdity.
0: All right. Well, Nikhil, what are the chances of him getting relief? What's ahead of him?
1: Well, he's got partial relief already in the first hearing, uh, and uh, as I say, uh, my view is that this conviction cannot stand.
0: So. Is this a case of political witch hunt as claimed by the opposition?
1: Well, whether it is or it... See, prima facie, it would so appear because the case seems so odd. But let's examine the Congress as well. It's not as if they lacked remedies or they lacked means. They have such an extensive legal team and an extremely accomplished legal
0: team.
1: Now, a complaint gets filed under Section 200 of the CRPC. You have the option of having the complaint quashed, which means means you take it to the high courts, whether the high court or to the Supreme Court, and you say that this complaint as it stands does not in fact make out the ingredients of the offense. And the way we are discussing it today, we are in fact talking about the ingredients of the offense. I am saying, let's assume what the petitioner says was said, was in fact said by Rahul Gandhi. To me, that does not amount to criminal defamation. If you make out that case, the complaint gets quashed. I have no idea why they didn't take that step at the outset, or at least it is my impression they didn't take that step at the outset. If that was upheld and I missed that order, then somebody will correct me. But I get the feeling that that was not done and I do not know why it wasn't done. After that, it looks like this case was stayed, not stayed, but the complainant themselves sat back on it for a long time, didn't pursue it. The case used to get adjourned quite regularly. It's been hanging around for since 2019. This is not the kind of case where you need any great evidence. On the first, uh, first few hearings, you're quite clear that the statement was made. Now it's only a question of how you interpret the statement. There's no real hard evidence that's needed anywhere else. So then you could have basically determined. Now, a month prior to the judgment, the petitioner comes and says, I wish to pursue. From what I'm reading, that indication was given up the the command in the Congress. But the Congress appears not to have taken it too seriously. And now we are at this outcome. You know, you can call it a political witch hunt in the sense of, first and foremost, it is not a case that originates from the BJP per se. Perhaps one will say that this must be a BJP supporter who's filed it. Perhaps it's not. It's not a cause of action that originates within the BJP. It originates outside. Uh, And yes, maybe there is a suitability that it is in Surat, but Modi's are generally Gujarati. And this particular Modi lives in Surat and he went to the closest court. It's very difficult to say conclusively that it's a political witch hunt. Yes, the judgment may be extreme and from that certain inferences may be drawn. But you always had the capacity for remedies. You always had the capacity to deal with this case. You chose not to. Uh, Really a question for me is also what are their motivations?
0: Because we, we're often seeing some political leaders casting aspersions on courts. Why is that?
1: Where else will you go? What else will you do? I mean, look, you get caught out at times with evidence in court. And there are other times when they completely fail to, they don't know what to say. I'll give you an example of that. Before Manish Sodhya was arrested, that this was called a political witch hunt. The entire case relating to the liquor scam in Delhi. After he's been arrested, he's been denied bail on several grounds. Most recently, a few days ago, two, three days ago, Well, the bail order, if anybody reads it, is actually quite a damning bail order. Now, that comes with the caveat that this is purely the prosecution's version. And at the time at which they are opposing bail, they will further exacerbate their allegations. But the allegations literally pertain to saying there are clear and unequivocal routes by which money comes back either to to the party or to Manish Sodhya through his intermediaries. Not directly to but is held by intermediaries. Now, this is the kind of thing that they were were saying was a lie from the start. But now I don't see any outrage on it. And now suddenly they're not commenting about the courts. So, you know, political parties are prone to fighting their corner. Uh, and sometimes, in, in all honesty, I have no problem that they make such statements. The court, in my opinion, is strong enough to deal with all of this. And this is a part of the messiness of democracy. I mean, it's just always is. If you take the US, for example, where recently Roe versus Wade was overturned, there were a number of aspersions cast on the Supreme Court. In the US, this is a natural part of democracy.
0: All right, I'll wrap up on that note. Thank you, Nikhil, for joining me. Thank you all for listening.